Welcome to Coffee with the Counselors. I am Andrea Lawless from Flat Rock Elementary. I'm Robin Richardson from Iva Elementary. And I'm Tanya Barber from Star Elementary. And thank you for listening to us today. Before we get started, I just wanted to tell y'all that I'm very excited about fall, and I brought my pumpkin spice cup that my mother-in-law gave me. Oh, that's nice. I love fall, too. It's my favorite season. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday, but... In honor of Halloween, I brought my little Halloween cup today. And in honor of our podcast today and our topic today, I brought my Peace, Love, and Bucky's um, coffee cup. So um, Bucky's is amazing, um, <laughs> but wow. it was a lot. And I know a lot of people have loved Bucky's. Um, I sort of had um, a panic attack while I was at Bucky's because it was just way too much. It was sensory overload. And even though I loved it and I got a t-shirt and a coffee mug and I've been back another time, I did not like love the like environment um, because it was just way too much for me to handle in that small, even though it's not small, um, in that small of a space, there's so many people and so many things to look at. So it was sensory overload, which leads us to our topic today. We are talking about sensory processing and what that is and how we can help our students and our um, kids at home um, with that issue. So if you've not heard our podcast before, we are school counselors on the elementary level and we take topics and we try to present them to parents so that parents can help their students be more successful in the classroom, at school overall, and even at home. And one of the things we also try to do is think about topics that are relevant to us in the present time. And so one of the things that we noticed as counselors just talking amongst ourselves, even though we're at three separate schools, we do um, have a lot of similar um, behaviors and things like that in our class. Mm -hmm. And Tanya, I mean, I'm sorry, Andrea reached out to us not too long ago and was like, hey, are y'all having, are y'all seeing this? Are y'all seeing that? And we're like, definitely. So she was like, think our next topic should be sensory processing so we're gonna let her roll with that and then chime in as we go well thank you um you know sensory processing I think in the past has been associated with um, various diagnoses that children might receive regarding autism but um, sensory processing doesn't necessarily mean there is a diagnosable disorder. Right. And sensory processing is not itself a diagnosable disorder. Um, having difficulty processing the information that is around you and the things that you are sensing can happen to anybody, and it can happen to different degrees. Um, I experienced the same situation in Bucky's, and I learned it doesn't matter if you go it's 6 a.m. when you are leaving your vacation or if you go at 3 p.m. when you are about to arrive on your destination. It is just insanity in there all the time. <laughs> and so, um, but moving on from Bucky's, that is not today's topic on the podcast. <laughs> um, Simply put, sensory processing is just how your body receives and understands the information that we gain from our five senses. So the things that we touch or feel, the things that we taste, hear, see, and smell. And we all are aware of our five senses. But there are two additional senses that we don't really talk about and we don't learn in school. And these are internal senses that help us understand 
our body movement and it helps us um, know where we are in a specific space. So that would just be um, our motor functions, like how we how we walk, how we move, and um, our ability to understand how close or far things are away from us. Like spatial awareness. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Correct. And so um, if we tend to be clumsy, <laughs> like me, then maybe your body takes a little longer to process some of that information. Um, so what does sensory processing look like? Um, students who can either be highly sensitive to their um, the things happening around them or they can be undersensitive to the information that is coming at them. And um, depending on whether they're hypersensitive or hyposensitive depends on it displays different behaviors. Um, so the behaviors can be uncomfortable. They can be disruptive in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, parents, they can even be disruptive for you if you are at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. So um, if your child is having difficulty, then then everyone around them is going to know it. And and I think, too, this will be a good point to interject this, is a lot of times, especially when you said the grocery store, it made me think of that. Mm-hmm. And, like, the grocery store, the bright lights, the music playing, the carts rolling, yes. everybody around them, and then you see a child, like, acting out, and in your mind, you're probably like, that, that kid needs a whooping, or that kid <laughs> needs to, you know, their parent needs to get them in line, you know, right. whatever. And even in the classroom, too, when the kids are what we're, some people are assuming they're throwing, like, a temper tantrum, mm-hmm. or they're, that I think we need to stop and ask ourselves, like, are they on sensory overload or are they on sensory underload? Like, are right. they are they needing something else? It doesn't always have to be, like, a temper tantrum. Like, those, no. those sensor, sensory processing things can come out in the form of negative behaviors, but it's not necessarily always a negative behavior. It could be because they're lacking some type of sensory input or they're getting too much. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Um, sensitive um, students who are highly sensitive that's called um, hypersensitive they get overwhelmed really easily like you said by bright lights and music and noise or even crowds of people um, because they are experiencing all of these things to a greater degree than maybe what I would experience or what Tanya would experience and because of that, you may see that they avoid places and activities that they feel are too much for them or that are overwhelming, and um, they may display those tantrum behaviors, and it may last longer than a normal tantrum, or um, they they might even be a runner, so to speak. They might even try to run away from you or try to get out of that situation, which can be scary because in that moment, they're not thinking about safety issues. Mm -hmm. They're not thinking about how that's making you as the parent feel. They just know that it's too much and they need to get away. And sometimes too, I think kids um, are hypersensitive in general, but then I think some kids can be... um, have too much stimulation throughout the day and there becomes a point in time where mm-hmm. they are overstimulated where it may not start that way correct you know they're not they don't wake up being hypersensitive to stimulus but as the day goes on if they've had a lot of video games or they had a lot of um screen time with the blinking and the flashing and all that good stuff and then you try to put them in an environment that is very 
like high key, then that overstimulation can happen too. So it doesn't mm-hmm. just have to be some kids. I know um, we had a situation yesterday where a child walked into a, a very crowded room and that child was like, nope, mm, that got, <laughs> got, you know, so they were already hypersensitive to, right. to their environment. Mm-hmm. But then you could have another child that could go into that environment and after being there for a while become hypersensitive and be like, mm-hmm. I, I need to need to walk away from the situation mm-hmm. it can also come across as distractions too like I know that's that right. sometimes you know kids get comfortable in their setting or their classroom and then when they come to other areas whether it's a special area classroom or maybe even the guidance classroom um, sometimes those areas can be you know, just overstimulating for some we're, kids, we're, especially we're a lot. if they have, yes, we are okay. a lot, um, especially if they already have some other things going on. And I'm thinking about some of our students who, you know, might have some focus and attention issues already, and then you bring them into an environment that's got lots of cool new things, then sure. they have no way to control that focus anymore because they are so, like, overstimulated by the new environment that mm-hmm. they're in. You know, I was thinking, you mentioned the holidays and how Thanksgiving is your favorite. And I have noticed for myself and one of my students who is one of my own personal children, sorry, who is a little more shy in social situations that the holidays can really bring about overwhelming feelings because if you are used to being by yourself or having a lot of downtime and quiet time in your day and then you go to large family events or gatherings and parties or even just holiday shopping while those things are very fun that can become overwhelming and normally where you wouldn't see um, any abnormal behaviors or um any problems, suddenly now you have a child with an odd behavior issue because they're just overwhelmed by the people and the various events going on. So I think one point is as you're thinking about your own personal children um, and maybe you have noticed some behaviors that you just can't put your finger on, you know, maybe start kind of really looking at the environment that they're in when this particular behavior takes place Mm -hmm. so that it can maybe help kind of identify maybe what the problem is when you, because if you're like us, you're going to, I don't know what's wrong with my my kid. I don't know what's happening. And then you try to backtrack and figure out, okay, when was this happening and what was taking place when it was happening? Where were we? What was going on? Because a lot of us are going to go to the doctor and be like, something's wrong. I don't know what's (laughs) wrong with my kid, but he is spazzing out in the grocery store every time we go. And so then, so really backtrack and think about those behaviors and when they're taking place. And that work, that would work well in the classroom too. Absolutely. As when you're meeting with your child's teacher and they're saying like, this is happening, you know, maybe you two together working together, especially if it's like, oh, I see those same behaviors at home. Mm -hmm. Then let's both of us start kind of logging and charting when, where, who, what, why, so that we can see if this is like a sensory processing type of thing or overstimulation or Or not enough. Or not enough, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So it leads into the next one. That does. That leads into um, when when a student is not getting enough sensory input. Um, Those are called hyposensitive students. But basically, they're just seeking information, maybe – it, their senses are not as heightened as what an average child might experience. So they need greater input, um, greater intensity in order to process information. 
And so you may see um, students chewing on things that they that are not made to be put in their mouth, like their pencil or their T-shirt or something like that. Um, these students are going to move around frequently. They may be spinning until they're dizzy. They may be jumping around, bumping into things, crashing into things, because they are simply trying to stimulate their body. It also, like when you say bumping into things, like a, a few kids just popped in my brain because they bump into kids, like other students, all the time. And they do. Like, Quit pushing. They're like, well, I didn't even know I was pushing. And it's because they just don't have that awareness. They don't have that awareness. Yeah. Right. But that goes back to what we were saying earlier about the body not recognizing how close or far away they are from others and where they are in in their space. So they're not intentionally trying to hurt anybody. Right. It's just it's just accidental. They, they don't mean to. Yeah. Yeah. So some of the things that we do notice at school, just, you know, and you may notice these things at home, is gross and fine motor difficulties, like manual tasks, being able to perform that, lack of personal space and body awareness, as we just discussed. And then even difficulty interacting with other others. It could be students. It could be siblings. It could be adults. Um, sensitive, sensitivity to volume. I've got a That's few That's a kids. big one at it school. Is a, it yeah, is. Right I have a me. few kids. The other day in, in a guidance lesson, my air conditioner, I love our maintenance people, and they've worked on it, worked on it. But when it cuts on, it sounds like an airplane is going to take off. Wow. And so <laughs> it's kind of one of those things where it came on, and I was like, it'll go away in about 20 seconds, y'all. But this kid just immediately put his hands over his ears, and I was thinking, it's not really that loud. But this was he was overstimulated by that sound. And so sensitivity to volume, overreacting to regular classroom things is also another thing that we notice at school with this situation. Especially when there is like a little behavior and you like try to redirect that as a teacher and then the reaction to mm -hmm. the redirection mm -hmm. is like way over the top. Mm -hmm. I think a, right. a lot of times too we're not realizing that they're, you know, sometimes they might be being disrespectful and not doing what sure. they're supposed to be doing. But then too, like are they really not getting enough sensory needs there, that could be like a little a little red flag oh, yeah. too. So, as parents and caring adults, like what can we do to help these kids? Like, I like the tight hug one. Oh yeah, yeah, we, we got that covered. Right? <laughs> no, I'm just Robin and Tanya have that covered. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I'm not a hugger all the time, oh, but but okay. I am working on it's it. Okay. I have, I have. Been I've really on worked on kids like. You always assume that kids want to hug, you know, mm -hmm. and which most of the kids that most hug us lead the hug, you know, yes. especially when yeah. they're coming into the classroom, like to come to guidance or whatever. Sure. But I have like been very cognizant of kids that don't. And I think mm -hmm. that that could go back to the hypersensitive, like they don't need that touch. Mm -hmm. They don't need that, mm -hmm. you know, and they won't mm -hmm. like maybe a high five. They're not ready mm -hmm. for, you know, they don't really they're they're injured i'm just kidding <laughs> they're injured yeah. it's okay you can say it but you know i have noticed that um not only you guys are working on this but our teachers are too because a lot of the teachers here at flat rock have their um hello choices posted yes. by their door yeah, so in so the morning cute. when they greet their kids the kids get to choose do you just want a fist bump do you want a big hug do you want a wave and that way we are working to make sure that everybody's needs are met and that we're not making kids uncomfortable. Right. We have a lot of teachers that do that, too. I think that's so I cute. Think I love yeah. it. Mm -hmm. 
You know, speaking of tight hugs, I know that weighted blankets have become very popular, and that is something that also can be good. You guys don't love a weighted blanket? No. You are hypersensitive, and we are hypersensitive. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds about right. I feel trapped. Oh, goodness. But I will say, too, to the weighted blanket, um, I've I've got a few students that – you know, have some focus and attention issues, but then they are also kind of having, it seems like, some sensory processing issues too. And I have gotten two or three things for one student in particular, and I, I found a child-sized weighted lap blanket to try to help him when he needs to sit and try to help be calm because right. he is one of these that's jumping, crashing, bouncing into everything. But when it comes time to do work sure, and getting him reined back in, has kind of been a task, and so we were we're working on that, and that's one of the things that we have. And another gotten for him, another thing too. This was a recommendation from our OT person at school, Miss Casey. But we were talking about deep pressure in the form of which is what the tight hug comes from. That is yes. deep pressure that you're giving to someone. Right. But then someone that might not feel comfortable with a hug from someone else, you can do deep pressure yourself by just giving yourself. A tight squeeze okay. so when I do like mindfulness with the kids and we go through like a little meditation thing or mm-hmm. whatever that's one of the where you like tighten all your muscles as tight as you can I know mm-hmm. you've seen that like in yoga mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that well that's what it's doing you're giving yourself that deep pressure and then when you release it it's like mm-hmm. so they might not want to hug from someone else but they can give themselves that deep pressure huh? yes I like that that's yeah. such a great idea. I was teaching a student that this past week, and and we weren't doing it for sensory processing. We were actually doing it for anxiety. Mm-hmm. But the point is, it is. It's very it's calming. Very, yes. Mm-hmm. And so that's some is of the same excellent. strategies that you can use for mindfulness and anxiety and that type of thing does work across different. Right. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. good. They so might yeah. get. We we do one where we're stretching, trying to reach to the stars, and then we just relax. Yeah, like just slump to the ground. Yes, yeah, (laughs) and that seems to help some of our kids too. Um, I know that um, heavy work activities are um, activities that we've used here at school to help some of our students, and that's just giving them things to do that are heavy, like move a stack of books from one place to Mm -hmm. the other, Mm -hmm. or. move a desk for me, or even, hey, um, I've got this cart here, and I need it to go to the office. Can you push this cart of stuff to the office for me? And doing those types of activities that require some strength and endurance can really give students the input that they need and help them exert some of that excessive energy when um, and translating when that out translating that to the house then you could talk about the chores that you could do mm-hmm. do at home oh, yeah absolutely especially outside chores and especially mm-hmm. with our kiddos too a lot of us mm-hmm. and our, a lot of our children live out in the on a farm or in the woods or there's enough land that you're living at that you can be moving some stacks of wood or pick oh we used to have to pick up rocks out of the pasture picking up sticks picking up well, sticks right now, uh-huh. um my two black oh. walnut trees are um sending my husband over the edge so if anybody needs some heavy work activities they can kids, come you to your can house come get the black walnuts out of my yard and throw them across the street <laughs> You know, my kids, they get frustrated with me when I give them a chore to do, like vacuuming their room or dusting something for me or putting their clothes away. 
because they're like, mom, I just want to play this game or I just want to watch TV. But when they spend excessive time sitting and watching TV or playing a game or even reading while that's a good activity, then 20 minutes before bedtime, they've got all this energy and they need to move and they need to jump and they want to chase each other. And so I try to teach them, guys, not giving you chores because I mean I'm giving you chores because it's good for your body it helps stimulate you and and then ultimately make you tired and calm you so that you're ready to go to bed when it's time to go to bed so those heavy work activities they um there's a multitude of benefits to those things and and there's a great website that Andrea shared with us it's growinghandsonkids.com and they have a uh article about heavy work activities for kids and because those things have a calming effect on on our bodies and a lot of times that's what our kids are craving that's what we're craving Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and it helps your your child to get adequate input to help them focus and increase self-regulation and I think kind of that's where we're headed with this is having been having our kids able to figure out kind of right now when they're young we're trying to help them determine okay this is what's going on and this is how we help get it better but we also need to teach them how to regulate that on their own and so explaining things as you go along in their terms Mm -hmm. um while we're doing this right I agree you did with your daughters we're doing this to kind of expel some energy so that when we go to bed, we're ready to go to bed and our bodies are ready to go to bed. So this is a great website for lots of fun, act, fun I say fun, lots of fun mm-hmm. activities, some heavy activities for our kids when they are having some sensory overload. I agree. I think right now while we're teaching them, it's good to provide lots of different types of activities too. Um, that way it keeps it new and interesting for them. But then when they're older and they're starting to make these decisions for themselves, they can pick and choose what they like best and what they know works best. Um, I know right now if you are looking for something fun and entertaining to do, there's places you can go, trampoline parks and these pumpkin patches that are popular right now, things like that mm-hmm. are also really great opportunities for you to provide all different types of sensory stimulation for them in a fun way yeah we went to a corn maze last weekend so that was that would stress me (laughs) (laughs) that fear getting lost would take over and i would just stand there (laughs) yeah we got we got lost a lot now my husband and my my son were able to to figure the way out but me my my niece and i and then the babies were kind of struggle finding yeah but it was fun I, I see one of these, and it makes me just think back to my childhood pillow fights. Mm. I mean, oh man, good times. Do people do that anymore? Like, you need to do that. We Sleepovers. <laughs> but then you're gonna have those hypersensitive kids that are gonna be like, they're gonna oh. run away. Yes. They're gonna be aware of their strength and take their head off. Yeah. That's true. That's so true. maybe a few guidelines before yes, before absolutely. the pillow fight mm-hmm. starts. Yeah, man. So funny. I think <laughs> so. Um, Andrea also has a couple of websites other than the one that um, Tanya was sharing, and we'll be sure to include this in our handout that we'll send home with the kids. And just kind of um, in the handout, too, we'll make sure we cover everything that we talked about today. But just wanting to give you some tips and tools that it's not always, behaviors aren't always just because they're tired or they're hungry or they're, you know, um, being... um, 
I don't even know what the word would be. Difficult. A, yeah, too, yeah, difficult, obstinate. obstinate, those types mm-hmm. of things. So just another kind of little check off, like, are they tired? No. Are they hungry? No. You know, are they not getting their way? Well, they kind of are. So what is this? This could be something else besides tired, hungry, cr- you know, those mm-hmm. types of things. And then what you were saying too, Tanya, is right now with kids being so little, it is our job as parents and teachers and counselors to kind of guide them into what are some different um, tricks, exercises, things that we could do to help with that sensory processing, and then hopefully teaching them to self-regulate so that when they do get older, like, hey, my mom um, gave me this idea when I was young, but now that translates to this as an adult, and Mm -hmm. I can do this, or this as a teenager, you know, that type of thing. So just making sure that they have different options when they are overstimulated or understimulated too. And don't don't give up like keep trying mm-hmm. you know I, I know a lot of times and we've got a few students too that we're trying to figure some things out and you know parents sometimes get frustrated and even sometimes our teachers get mm-hmm. frustrated because they've tried different things and nothing's working and that's when we just keep we keep plugging away and I think one important thing is making sure that the the child and the student is able to express their feelings and so using those I messages I feel this way when and and I know sometimes we get busy, we don't have a lot of time for explanation, but we really need to sit down and let them help us understand what's going on. I feel like I need to just cry when I go to special area because yeah. I'm really thinking of a few students that we have had some struggles with going, leaving the classroom and going to these new mm-hmm. teachers that they only see once a week mm-hmm. and there's five different ones. And so I'm really sitting here thinking, okay. I need to look at this a little more in depth in because depth, I've yeah. got some kids that, you know, this this might be the answer, you know. And so don't give up. Keep trying. Keep working with your teachers. And have that open line of communication with the teacher, too, especially if they're seeing it in their classroom and, and you're, you're seeing it at home. I, I mean, because that's more people helping to work on figuring out a solution for the kid. And with that iMessage, too, and I'll, write, I'll close with this for, for me, but I think – when we do have sensory overload or underload, giving the child that time to process. Mm-hmm. So instead, and I'm horrible at this as, as a parent, I want immediate, like, why? Like, why are you doing this? What mm-hmm. is, you know, going on? And I need to, as a mom, let my child process things and come to me and say, I feel this when this happens, mm-hmm. when they've had a minute to kind of digest and process what's going on. And I think a lot of times when a kid is having an outburst or a tantrum or overstimulation or understimulation, we, we're like, what's going on? What's wrong? Why are you doing, you know, mm-hmm. and we won't. Yeah, because we're in a hurry or we're mm-hmm. in a time crunch. Right. And just letting that child process by themselves, maybe they need a cool down moment mm-hmm. or maybe they need a spot to kind of think and, and gather themselves because a lot of times their immediate answer might not be the actual reason That's true. behind. And if you give them a minute to kind of wrap their heads around what's going on, then you're going to get to the to the root Absolutely, or yes. to the reason for the behavior. I agree with that. Well, I have really enjoyed this conversation today. Um, in addition to the um, handsonkids.com website, a lot of this also came from the Child Mind Institute website. Um, so we will include all of those 
websites and links on our handout with the kids. And thanks for listening, and we hope you join us next time. Thank you for listening to our Coffee with the Counselors podcast produced by Anderson School District 3. If you have questions for our counselors or suggestions for future topics, visit acsd3.org to contact our counselors directly.